0: What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive by most measures, by most available measures. This right now is the best time to be alive. If you live in the United States of America, the best place to be alive in the history of humanity. But it doesn't necessarily feel like that, does it? Depending on what your situation is, it's hard to come to grips with the idea that Stuff really seems pretty bad in a lot of ways, but if you actually look at the numbers and break everything down, pull your perspective back far enough, we're doing pretty well. Do you remember Robin Leach? Robin Leach and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. He would close the show with he wishing you champagne wishes and caviar dreams. And it's highly possible that you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's worth uh, revisiting, but the idea, the name of the show says it all: it's lifestyles of the rich and famous. Before lifestyles and excess were ubiquitous, which they are today, before we were all broadcasters, before influencers, before social media, before. Pit My Ride, before Cribs, there was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And if you trace it back, that timeline, I I was a little kid, and or maybe I was, you know, and when, when it was on, or maybe it was replays. I probably should have done more research and tell you exactly when that show was actually airing on TV, but I'm well aware of who Robin Leach was, rest in peace. Um... But I wonder, I wonder if when people were watching that show back in the 80s, did they view that lifestyle, the lifestyles that Robin Leach was was detailing as accessible? Or do people think about it like that's completely inaccessible and 100% out of reach for me? I wonder. It's more just voyeuristic, like we get to take a peek inside how the other, you know, half lives. How the other one percent lives. That's my perception. Somebody, I would love to to get somebody's take on that and what your feelings were if you were, you know, consuming that. Because now where we are today, let's just let's just assume that that's what people thought was that. Wow, this is fun to be able to watch and look at, but that's never something that I'm ever going to be able to do. It's not a lifestyle I'm ever going to be able to have. Fast forward to 2023, where we are today, I think that most everybody thinks, especially young people, think that the number one career that young people want is influencer, YouTube star. And I think that everybody thinks, I'm going to be rich. And it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. It's without question, very possible because people are doing it every day getting rich and famous on the internet. You can get millions of followers on TikTok. And that's the other thing. And probably a million different platforms I'm not even aware of. So you went from, this is not even, it's fantasy land to, this is my my buddies makes a million dollars a year making TikTok videos. So very, very different. Where am I going with this? I was reading the Wall Street Journal and there was an article about the cost of living versus the cost of thriving in America. What's it says, forget the cost of living, what's the cost of thriving in America? And as always, I will link the article in the notes. And the idea was that in the 80s, what was what it really? What did it take to be in the middle class versus what it takes to be in the middle class today? And they measured Um, your your really basic staples like the cost of transportation and food and housing and healthcare and education. And the big takeaway is that although it might not feel like people are better off today than they were in the 1980s, they are. So kind of like the whole thing and a lot of Steven Pinker's work talking about how by most objective measures, this is the best time to be alive for a human being ever, even though it doesn't feel like it. So perception, reality, feelings versus what's really going on. Not not crazy that there's a gap between those two things. Obviously, you and I both know that. But what made me what what kind of popped into my head was what I started with was do people want to be in the middle class? Is that aspirational? And I don't think that the answer is yes. I think that the answer is no. I think that there might be a stigma around being middle-class. And I'd be very curious to get feedback on that from millennials and Gen Z folks. When you think about middle-class, what do you think about? Is that a place where you want to be? Is that a place you don't want to be? So I think that that is a pretty interesting thing. And then there is... I think also a greater conversation about wants and needs, because wants and needs in 1980 are similar, but also very different than wants and needs in the 2020s. And obviously you understand what wants versus needs are. Wants in terms of personal finance are things that you literally can't live without. So those are the measures that the article and the journal were were really focused on, it's food medicine, housing, clothing, transportation, insurance, stuff like that. Now, a lot of those are still pretty similar today, but needs have exploded. There are so many things that we spend money on today that didn't even exist in 1980. It is a massive list. And now I'm sure that that's true from 1980 to 1960 and from 1960 to 1940, so on and so forth. But I think it is fascinating when you think about in your life, things that you are spending money on that didn't exist 20 years ago, like the internet, streaming services, delivery, Uber, you name it it is a long, long list. Our technology expenses, massive compared to what they were back in the 80s. And do we really consider those things to be wants or do we consider those things to be needs? All of these things have really shifted. So, so many more awesome things to be spending money on doesn't make it a good thing necessarily. And I think that that really has the effect of making us feel a lot less well off than than maybe we would if those things did not exist. It's all a matter of perspective. But if you are in a position where you feel like you are not ahead financially, I think that that is very, very, very common and understandable because I think that there are a lot of people who are not doing very well financially. So why is that? It's the proliferation of cool stuff to spend money on. It's the proliferation of uh, keep it up with the Joneses and being able to see into the lives of so many different people. It's new platforms that allow us to broadcast our lives and to be monetized or to, to be compensated for it. It's the promise and the potential of becoming famous and becoming rich through those mediums. And it's the shift of having a pension to a 401k. More specifically, the shift of being personally responsible for saving for my retirement and having a pension that I was compelled to contribute to. So although it's been this way now since the 80s, I think a lot of us have failed to catch up with the fact that if I am going to have money, if I'm ever going to be financially independent, if I'm ever going to be in the middle class, to be financially secure, to be able to step away from full-time work, I need to be saving money. And so now we have so many extra pulls, so many extra demands on our attention and our finances that weren't there before and were needing to be putting money away in ways that maybe we didn't used to. So I think that if you're feeling like you're behind in many ways, it's because you potentially are behind. So the thing about money is that there's an opportunity cost and that there's a time value to it. Whenever we're making decisions about things, we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to everything else. When we say yes to you know, buying something, we're saying no to putting money away for some financial consideration or financial objective, which you obviously know. And the whole time value of money there's a couple of different ways to think about that. But practically speaking, I think one of the important things is the longer we wait to begin pursuing our financial goals and objectives, the harder they become to reach, which is obvious. If I'm not saving any money, if I wait till I'm 60 years old to start saving from retirement, it becomes really, really hard, if not impossible, to actually become financially independent than starting early. But the tax of wanting, the tax of spending money on wants versus needs and not understanding that and not prioritizing and or, what's a right way to say this? If I don't want to, if I don't see myself as somebody who is in the middle class, then I will reject the things that come along with that. I will reject what it takes to be there from a financial standpoint. And the longer that I do that, the harder it becomes to actually become it. I don't want to live if I do not want to live within my means. I guess that's, that's really what I'm trying to say. I think that there are a lot of people out there and that's me too. I am drawn to want to have nice things. And I see everyone else having nice things and i have the means to consume nice things there's another difference from the 1980s between to where we are today is the absolute ubiquitous nature of credit and my ability to continue to consume even if it is at my detriment so like most things financial it's emotionally driven danny kahneman author of thinking fast and slow famously uh, figured out that 90% of the decisions we make around money are based on emotion. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here. It's wants, needs, it's emotion over logic. It is where I see myself in the future and I love optimism, but we need to also be taking out little insurance policies. And we're taking out little insurance policies and doing boring stuff financially by socking a little bit away just in case I do not become internet rich, just in case I don't become the next XYZ influencer, or just in case I don't blow up on social media or whatever it might be. And it hedge our bets a little bit so that I'm shooting for the stars, but worst case scenario, I will end up on the moon versus in the gutter as it would be. So... I think it's fascinating. I think I am constantly wondering about why it is that I behave the way that I do and constantly questioning and musing on my motivations and the reason I make financial decisions and the things that I want and the sacrifices I'm willing to make, the sacrifice I don't want to make, what comes easy to me, what is hard. And I think that the more we can be thinking about these things, the more you can be considering and thinking of these things, the better off that we will become. And I talk a lot about values. I talk a lot about goals. I talk a lot about purpose. I think a lot about habits. And the more we can align all those things, the happier that we're going to be, the more optimized that we're going to be. And that'll help us to become more logical with our money. And I'm not interested in having you be a robot or some kind of a Vulcan like Spock, who is only focused on logic. That would be boring and bland. I want you to have champagne wishes and caviar dreams, but also put a little bit aside just in case things don't go exactly to plan. As always, do your part by doing your best.